Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. (laughs) So I'm Pastor Jenny. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor John's wife, and I'm going to bring you the Word of the Lord today. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you a joke. And if you don't like it, too bad. Two young boys walked into a pharmacy one day, picked out a box of tampons, and proceeded to the checkout counter. The man at the counter asked the older boy, son, how old are you? Eight, the boy replied. The man continued, do you know what these are used for? The boy replied, not exactly, but they aren't for me. They're for him. He's my little brother. He's four. We saw on TV that if you use these, you would be able to swim and ride a bike. Right now, he can't do either one. Isn't that cute? I had to look it up for my phone because I couldn't bear to put the word tampon in my messages, like in my notes. Sorry. Here we go. Okay, I've said it. Let's move on. All right. So today I'm going to talk to you about prayer. But before I get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being here with us today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into the room and say, have your way. Have your way, Lord, in our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our spirits. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my voice with the power of the Holy Spirit, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that your church would be built up today and that your name would be glorified. We love you, Lord, and we set this time before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So last week was Vision Sunday. Pastor John preached an incredible message, which I encourage you to watch online if you missed it. In it, he outlined our heart and our vision for the cause um, for these next few years, which is amazing. And today we are finishing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Thank God it's over, right? (laughs) Are you hungry? I am. We have um, tacos out in in the front afterwards, and we have desserts from Hoppe Bakery, um, which is in downtown Brea. The owners actually come to our church, so we encourage you to patron their business. Their desserts are amazing, so we're excited about that. And did God do anything special or spectacular in your life during the fast? Awesome. Did he answer any of your prayers? Yes, amazing. Or are you feeling frustrated because God didn't answer your prayers at all and you feel like nothing happened? That can happen sometimes. I think that the question most pastors get asked and most ministry leaders is, why didn't God answer my prayers? So today, I'm going to teach you how to pray according to the will of God so your prayers get answered. Are you ready? Okay. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 13. This is Jesus talking, and he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus was gathered with his disciples here in the upper room. He's giving them his last earthly teaching before he goes to the cross. This particular teaching is found only in the Gospel of John. Jesus' goal that night was to prepare the disciples for a world in which he would no longer be physically present, even though he would be powerfully represented by the Holy Spirit, so powerful that Jesus said his followers would be able to do greater things than he had done. In this context of his farewell discourse, Jesus makes an astounding statement. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In John chapters 14 to 16, Jesus tells us three times that God will give us what we ask for in his name. 
If it is mentioned three times, it's pretty important. Prayer is the single most important thing we can do if we want to see the kingdom of God on earth. Do you want the kingdom of God to come into your life? Me too. Of course you do. Well, then we need to start praying. The devil will try to trick you into thinking that you have to do all sorts of things to get the will of God done in your life. He'll persuade you to go in all sorts of directions in order to divert your attention away from the power of prayer. There's a lot of Christian things that we can do to stay busy, but can draw us away from prayer. We can strategize, plan, hold every type of meeting, but if we are not praying, we are wasting our time. I don't want what our church does to be wood, hay, and stubble. I want it to be gold, silver, and precious stones. Prayer is what releases the power of God into the things that we do for God. Prayer reveals that a lot of what we think we're doing for God isn't what God wants us to do at all. That's why prayer is the most proficient and productive thing that you can do. On our own, folks, we cannot accomplish anything for God. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you and I can have the best of intentions, but we'll get the worst results. We have a problem. We live in an extremely action-oriented society, which pushes us into a frenzy of activity and busyness without ever asking God whether what we are doing is what he wants us to do. Have you ever collapsed in bed at night after a busy day and said, what on earth did I do today? We've all been there. Our greatest task is not to do, but to ask. Our culture tells us that we need to constantly be out there doing, doing, doing things. But Jesus tells us that our most strategic thing to do is to ask God what we should do first. If your calendar is so full that you don't have time for prayer or Bible reading or church, your priorities need to change. You're not doing your kids any favors by keeping them so busy in sports that God is no longer a priority. If you don't want your kids to walk away from the Lord after they graduate high school, then you need to start when they're babies taking them to church and making it a priority. If you're new to church and you just started bringing your family to church and you have teenagers who give you hell on Sunday mornings, you drag them to church in their pajamas. I have to do that with my own kids sometimes. Surprisingly, they don't feel like coming to church on some Sundays. Teenagers are like that. But we have a rule in our house that prayer, that church attendance are a priority regardless of how you feel. You're the boss, parents. And listen, if your kids can stay up late at night scrolling on their phone until 2 a.m. but say, oh, I'm too tired to get up for church in the morning, you start turning off the Wi-Fi at 10 p.m. so they can get a good bedtime and see how that rolls over. You are in charge, okay? And it's possible to put a password on your Wi-Fi. If you need help with that, come up and talk to Pastor Chris afterwards. He'll help you. <laughs> Let's go back to John 14, 13. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is an easy verse to memorize, folks, and I would encourage you to do so if you haven't already. Whatever, that word in the Greek, refers to the broadest possible range of things you could imagine, something extraordinary. Prayer is a whatever activity. Whatever your day consists of, whatever you're concerned about, bring it to God first. Paul says the same thing in Philippians 4, 6, but in everything, Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And you know what happens when we do this? Verse 7 says, Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you are lacking peace in your life, chances are you're probably lacking prayer. The word keep in that verse means to build a military garrison around you. That is a great result you have simply because you stopped and prayed. The peace of God is the most priceless possession in the universe. You and I know that because we can probably think about a time when we lost the peace of God. It's miserable, isn't it? The peace of God is like an impregnable wall that he builds around you in the midst of everything that life can throw against you. Have you ever walked through a hellish season and had complete peace? That is from Jesus. That is only possible through Jesus. I was just talking to my friend Elisa after the last service. Her little son Lennox was born premature at 23 weeks, one pound, one ounce. One pound, one ounce. He's a couple months old now. He's up to three pounds, three ounces, thank God. But she said that whole time, this whole time that Lennox has been in the hospital, she said, I have had an indescribable peace. Every time I go in there, no matter what the doctors say, I feel a steadiness and an assurance from the Lord that he is going to be okay. And you know why? Because prayer is a priority in Elisa's life. The only true way to get the peace of God is to pray. You won't get it by reciting positive affirmations. You won't get it by working out. You won't get it by standing in the sunshine. You won't get it by doing good deeds. The only way to get true peace is by praying yourself into it. That wall has to be strengthened with every day that passes. So worry about nothing and pray about everything. Prayer is also, it's a whatever activity, but our asking should never stop. When my kids are asking me for something, they don't compose a 45-minute speech that sounds eloquent. They simply ask clearly for what they want. Mom, what's the Wi-Fi password? Eliana, mama, bottle, mama, milk. She's not sitting in her crib saying, oh, mom, I know it's 3 a.m. and you're sleeping right now and I know you're really tired and you have to preach the next day and dad's not here and he usually gets up with me in the middle of the night, but if you could just come upstairs really quick and give me a bottle and rub my back and rock me back to sleep, I'd appreciate it. No! She says, milk, now! Sometimes we just need to ask God and be specific for what we want. What do we want, folks? Peace, help, right? What do we need? God, help me in this situation. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray, so we can just say, Jesus, Jesus. I don't even know, Jesus, come and invade this circumstance, right? Ask and keep on asking. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. The Greek verb ask here is in the present continuous action. Jesus was not referring to something that we do occasionally or only when we're in dire trouble. He's describing something that should be a characteristic of our life. We ask and we ask again. We seek and we keep on seeking. We don't give up. We knock until our knuckles are raw and then we knock some more. Have you ever prayed for someone and they didn't get healed? I have. That's happened to all of us. Do you know what you do when that happens? You don't get discouraged and stop praying for healing. You go pray for 100 more people. You go pray for 500 more people, for 1,000 more people, and see who gets healed. Be persistent and keep on asking. 
When we wanted to get pregnant with our third baby, Eliana, we asked and we asked and we asked the Lord. I mean, you think it's going to be easy. You have two kids, like no problem. We should just be able to get pregnant with a third. But when we went to the doctor, we did all these tests and the doctor said, we have no idea how you had your first two children. They are both miracles. You should be glad that you have them. This is never going to happen for you again. Doctors can be very well-meaning, but they do not have the final say. But her words really landed in my heart deeply, and I had to wrestle with those for 10 years. For 10 years, I felt I had in me, I said, Lord, I feel like I have another baby in me. I feel like you have given, you are going to give us another child, but it's not happening. It's one thing to pray for something for a few months. What about for a decade? Over and over and over and over. God, every single month, every single month, for those of you that have struggled with infertility, looking at that stick and seeing that it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it can be discouraging. But you know what we kept doing? We kept asking. And we asked and we asked and we asked and we asked because we knew that God had given us a promise. And lo and behold, 10 years later, when we were in the season of deepest grief in our lives, Four months after Pastor Bob passed away, when my husband would cry himself to sleep at night, and I would just lay in bed thinking, God, how is, when is this season ever going to be done? How are we ever going to get over this? This pain is so deep, it, it literally feels like I can't breathe. We got miraculously pregnant. And when you're pregnant, it's really hard to stay depressed when you know that you're carrying a miracle. I knew that God saved Eliana for such a time as this. I knew that he didn't give her to us 10 years earlier because he's omniscient, he's omnipresent. God knows everything from the beginning of time to the end of time. He knew that the one thing that we needed to pull us out of that grief was the joy of having another child. This is my little stinker, the last picture. Oh yeah, that's her when she was first born, so cute. She peed all over me after that picture, but look at her now, look at that little smile. She is so loud. I forgot, I'm 42. Last time I had a baby, I was 29. <laughs> she is so loud. She was in the front yard the other day playing with the kids and she was screaming. And I, could he I was walking the dog and I could hear her two blocks away. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> but she's my little miracle. When I was, little, when I was a little girl, um, six years old, my mom left and my dad raised my brother and I. And I prayed every day for my mom to come home. I prayed every day for my mom to get released from drug addiction and the lifestyle that she chose. And it took 25 years of praying, but she finally came home. She is drug free, she is alcohol free, she is cancer free. She's probably, hi mom, she's probably watching online right now. Never stop asking. Never stop asking. What if the answer to your prayer is simply one prayer away? Ask and keep on asking. Be persistent. The next phrase in John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, that's important. To be in someone's name means to come under their ownership or authority. For example, my house is in my name and in John's name. This means that the property is under our ownership. If we pray in Jesus' name, it means that we're not using Jesus' authority to accomplish what we want but we are coming under his authority so that he can do what he wants. Therefore, we should only ask for what is in the will of God. If you want your prayers to get answered, if you take away one thing from today, pray for what is in the will of God. 
That is how your prayers get answered. And if you don't know what the will of God is, you pray what I pray every single day. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, in the life of my husband, in the life of my children, in the lives of my staff members, in the lives of my church and my congregation. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I come against confusion in Jesus' name, and I want your will, your will, your will, Lord, to be done in my life. That is how your prayers get answered. In 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, <clears throat> this is the Apostle John talking, this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Sixty years after the Apostle John heard Jesus speak these words, he wrote the book of 1 John. He was a very old man by the time he wrote this book, but he never forgot the words that Jesus spoke that night before his arrest. In between what Jesus said and when John wrote the book of 1 John, he lived an entire lifetime of trial and adventure and extraordinary challenges and accomplishments in which he must have tested over and over and over again what Jesus told him, and he found out that it worked and it will work for you too. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus said, this will I do. Remember that asking is our part and the doing is God's part. God is not as concerned about you asking the wrong things as he is about you doing the wrong things. It's far better to give him the opportunity to adjust your asking than to have him clear out the consequences of your disobedience. Don't we want our kids to do that? We don't want our, just to have consequences all the time for our kids, right? Hey, mom, can I go ride my bike in the middle of the street? Thank you so much for asking me that, son. That's probably not the best idea. You could get hit by a car. Aren't you glad that your child asked you permission before going and riding in the middle of the street? That's how we have to think about prayer. Let's ask the Lord before we put our foot in an area where we might not know, should I do this? Should I not? Simply ask him and let him lead you. The final phrase of John 14, 13 says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There are a multitude of goals we can work toward in life, but we, was, we must never lose sight of the ultimate goal that a Christian must work towards, and that is that God is glorified in our lives. This is what will help keep all the things that we are doing on track. The focus of our life should be, will this bring glory to God or not? If I open up my computer and type in something, is what I'm looking at going to bring glory to God or not? If I pick up my phone and I'm scrolling and I'm looking at these pages on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, is this going to bring glory to God or not? Some of those are simple yes or no's. And if it's a no, put it away. Some of them you don't know, so you can pause. Jesus, is this in your will? And he'll whisper to you, no, or go ahead. It's okay. Follow his will. Follow his will. Life is about God, the will of God, the desires of God, the purposes of God, and the glory of God. If we see our lives as a gift from God, why would we not want to build that life around him? Do you want your prayers answered? So do I. You can pray prayers that are all about you, but it doesn't obligate God to answer. We're his children. 
You know when your kids come up to you and they talk and they just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask for the same things over and over again? And as a parent, you can smile and say, you're so cute. Oh, that's so kind of you to ask, but you're not getting that. You can ask and ask and ask for the Wi-Fi password, but you were super disrespectful this week, so you are not getting it because I know what's best for you, right? We can ask and ask, but if God is not obligated to answer unless it is in his will. The only way to guarantee answers from God is to pray with his will and his glory in mind. We need to evaluate everything in our lives and in our prayers on whether or not it brings glory to God. And God is glorified when we become like him. That's a win-win because to become like him is the greatest blessing that we could ever receive. Do you wanna pray prayers that get answered? Yes, I keep asking you the same question. I hope so. Do you want to pray prayers that get answered, church? Yes, yes. Then memorize John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says, this will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here's your feelings for today. Number one, by praying this way, you will expand prayer to every issue in your life. That's the whatever part. Number two, ask God about everything. That's the whatever you ask part. Number three, come into submission to his lordship. In my name, he says. Number four, allow God to be God and to do his part. This will I do. And number five, seek his glory in everything that he may be glorified in the son. So here's an example of a prayer that was answered. Over the last 21 days, Pastor John and I have been praying and fasting together with you, with our church family, and one of the main areas of prayer for us was this. We were asking God, what is next for the Cause Church? We don't want to do anything or make any plans outside of the will of God. So we asked and we kept on asking for the Lord to give us a clear picture of what is next. For us as a couple and as your pastors, for you, for your families, and for our church family as a whole. We would pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God is faithful. He answered us in two ways. First, six days into the fast, we received clarity about a specific thing that Pastor John will talk to the church about next week. So come back next week for that. And second, this past Friday, I received clarity on a word that God gave me when I first started working here at the church. And the word is this, God has a thousand times more in store for the Cause Church. It was not happenstance that in 2023, more people got saved at the Cause than ever before. 1,119 people got saved last year. God showed me that there is a thousand times more anointing on this house, and it's time to step into that as individuals, as families, and as a church. And I'm going to explain quickly what this means from a biblical perspective. In Deuteronomy 1, 6 to 11, Moses speaks to the people of Israel, conveying to them the word of the Lord, and says this in verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Some of us have been going in circles around the same mountain for a long time, and it is time to move on. It is time to go to a new place. You have dwelt there long enough. 
you have had these same struggles long enough, it is time for you to stop moving around that mountain and to move forward. And the Lord is saying today, you are going to get free from that addiction, get free from that grief, get free from that strife in that family, get free from that confusion and despair. You came to the right place today at the right time. You are not going to dwell at that mountain anymore. Verse 8 says, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Verse 10 says, The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. God has blessed you in the past. He is blessing you in the present. But God isn't through with you yet. He goes on to say in verse 11, May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he promised you. Your past and your present have been blessed. Folks, our past and our present have been blessed. And we need sometimes to remind ourselves, maybe we're not where we want to be, but thank God we aren't where we used to be. If you look at the world, where we live, in context to where most people in the world live, we have food, we have water, we have shelter, we can worship Jesus freely. We are so blessed. You might not think everything is perfect, and it's not, but we need to get a reality check sometimes and say, thank you, God, that I am here. Thank you, God, that I live in America. Thank you that I can worship you freely. Thank you that I have the Bible at my disposal, and I'm not going to get killed for carrying this around. Thank you, Jesus, that I have the freedom to talk to my friends at work about you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and setting me free. I still have some hurts and habits and hangups, but I thank you, God, that you're going to walk through this road with me, and I'm going to get freedom in Jesus' name, right? There's a thousand times more blessing available for you today. The anointing of a thousand times more is the highest level of anointing in the Bible. There are many different types of anointing that the Bible talks about. Elisha asked for a double portion of anointing from Elijah and God gave it to him. The Bible speaks of 30, 60, and 100-fold anointings. But this text contains the highest level of anointing that we can walk in, and it's the thousand times more anointing. The word anoint means to rub into. Jesus was the ultimate anointed one. And when we get next to Jesus, he rubs off on us. At the end of our service today, we're going to pray for the anointing to fall on every person here in the room. You can pray from your seat or you can come forward and have the elders of the church anoint you. And I'm just here to say, wherever the oil goes, which represents the Holy Spirit, that is where the Holy Spirit goes. Your life is going to be forever impacted today. As a church, we're in a season of supernatural increase and enlargement. We grew 24% last year, and God wants us to believe for a thousand times more. 1,119 people gave their lives to Jesus last year. Those people are no longer going to hell, folks. That's incredible. That's more than in the history of our church. Nothing like that has ever happened here before. It is a miracle, and all credit and all glory goes to the Lord for that. And I'm believing for a thousand times more in the years to come. There are tens of thousands of people, millions that live in Orange County, who are going straight to hell. Right now, if we went knocking door to door, I bet you a large percentage of the people in our surrounding areas, in the apartments, in the communities, they're home, they're scrolling on their phones, they're depressed, they're addicted. They need to be 
be set free. They need to know that someone loves them. They need to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them, that there's people here on earth that believe in them too. They need to hear the gospel. I do not want to go to heaven with empty hands. I want to go to heaven saying, look at all these people, Jesus. Look at all these people that lived around me that are, were lost, but they're not lost anymore. I want to walk into the kingdom of God completely spent for the gospel saying, God, I poured out my life for you. I gave everything I had and not one person around me went to hell because I was bold enough and brave enough to tell them about you, Jesus. This is the anointing that is on our house. It's no accident that Pastor John gets up here every week and gives a strong altar call. You know why? Because he has a burden for it. He has a burden for the lost. And I pray that that burden would fall upon you today too, that you would see your family members, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, and not just say hi or feel uncomfortable around them, but start to pray for them, start to intercede for them. Intercession simply means standing in the gap for someone who can't pray for themselves. I have so many neighbors in my neighborhood who are lost, who need Jesus. And I don't even know who half of them are, but it's on my list this year to get to know who they are. When I walk my dog around the neighborhood like John, I thank you, Jesus, the people in this house are gonna be healed and set free. I'm gonna stand in the gap for them and believe God that they're gonna get planted in a good house. If it's not the cause, it's gonna be somewhere else. There was a local church that was going through my neighborhood last week, and they had a little um, evangelism team that was just going door to door, just knocking and telling people about Jesus. So they came to my door. Eliana was screaming. She was in my arms. I, I answered the door. They're like, hey, we're here to tell you about Jesus. I said, cool. I'm a pastor. I know him. And they're like, oh, sorry. Like, is this your neighborhood? And like, <laughs> the Mexican mini was like, orale, thank you for asking. <laughs> But I was like, no, go ahead, go ahead, go tell all my neighbors about Jesus. They need to hear it for more than just me, right? I totally got off track there, sorry. <laughs> Next page. God wants every generation to make the previous generation sealing their floor. He wants us, you and I, to do even greater things than we have previously seen. Pastors Bob and Sherry planted this church 19 years ago with a group of about 300 people. And look what he has done so far. We didn't start out here in this church building. We started out down the street in a stinky movie theater in downtown Brea. Pastor Chris and what we called the A-Team would load up this trailer every Sunday at 5 a.m., drive down the 57 freeway from the San Gabriel Valley, and spend hours setting up the movie theater. They would be drenched in sweat. They were so stinky. <laughs> PVC pipes and drapery and soft mats and toys, lighting and sound equipment, changing tables and rocking chairs. It was like putting together a huge puzzle every Sunday, but we were glad to do it. We turned that secular movie theater into a house of worship. The lost were saved, the broken were set free, babies were dedicated, and God was glorified in all of it. But we knew there was more. We knew that the destiny of the cause church was not to stay in a movie theater. And through a series of miracles, we got this building. God didn't want us to be comfortable there, and I don't think that he wants us to be comfortable here. We want to keep growing, not for numbers sake, not because we have a desire to be a mega church, but we want to reach as many people as possible. We want the lost to be saved. We want to build strong Christians. We want to make disciples so that we can go out and reach 
A thousand times more people in the city of Brea, La Habra, Yorba Linda, Fullerton, Orange, Anaheim, Diamond Bar, Huntington Beach, Cypress, Garden Grove, wherever God sends us. We want a thousand times more than what we currently have because the time is short. Jesus is coming soon and we need to bring as many people as possible with us to heaven. We want to see a thousand times more children, youth, and young adults saved, disciples, and sent out into the world to do a thousand times more than what we are doing here. I want our high schoolers to know that when they graduate high school, they have been equipped, they have been discipled, they are bold, so when they go onto their university campuses here in California or beyond, they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They're gonna bring their friends and their professors and their coworkers to Jesus and go into areas that we could never go because we're called to go out. We're not called to just be a little secret club here in church. Jesus wants us to make disciples and to send you out and go into all the world and preach the gospel, amen? amen. We want more people to come into the cause church, a thousand times more people to come in and get free from addiction and bondage and get connected into celebrate recovery. We want a thousand times more people to be delivered from bondage and dysfunction by going through our deliverance courses here at the cause. We want a thousand times more families that are on the verge of collapse put back together, stronger and consecrated to the Lord. We want a thousand times more young people to come in here who have gender confusion and identity dysfunction and they hear who Jesus is and what he has done for them and they're able to see this is who Jesus has called to me and their identity is restored. We want a thousand times more businesses supernaturally blessed with the favor of God so they can reach beyond the church walls into the marketplace and beyond. CEOs and business owners, you have literally an audience of kings that you go before and God will give you the anointing to go before those people and to preach the gospel. You don't have to fear people because they have a lot of money or a lot of power. God will give you the voice to speak the words to those people and bring them into his kingdom. God wants to do a thousand times more at the cause than what we are doing presently. And if God can do that for our past folks, he can do it again. He is a God of multiplication. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And this anointing for a thousand times more, it's seen in several places in the Bible. I'm gonna go through these quickly. Number one, I think these are on your fill-ins. Samson had an anointing for a thousand times more. In Judges 15, it says, with a don <laughs> Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. Replace the word donkey with you know what. <laughs> with a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. He was functioning in the anointing of a thousand times more. He was a common man using a common weapon, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit touched that primitive weapon. It touched that jawbone. It wasn't by his own strength or by his own power, but it was by the Holy Spirit that he was able to defeat a thousand of his enemies. I believe that the anointing of a thousand times more starts in the jawbone because the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And you need to use your jawbone to speak the truth, to confess the blessings of God, and to, and to declare that this year, 2024, will be a year of a thousand times more of God's wisdom, favor and anointing on your life. A thousand times more than you've ever experienced in your life. I'm not just talking about money. I'm actually not talking about money at all. I'm talking about the anointing and the favor of God that is here and it's available for you today. Money could be a byproduct of that. What if you knew that for a thousand generations that your children and your grandchildren would all come to the Lord? 
Jesus, make it so. Jesus, make it so. And it says at the end of um, Judges, Samson's life, he messed up, did all these things wrong. He disobeyed God. He was in prison. And he was brought before his enemies. And his hair started to grow back. God humbled him. And he said to someone, put me in between the pillars of this building. And he prayed to God. And he said, one last time, God, give me the anointing of a thousand times more. God answered his request. He pushed over those pillars. And the Bible says in Judges 16.30 that he killed more people in his death than he did when he was alive. The thousand times more anointing is going to deal with your enemies in 2024. If you've been burned, if you've been stabbed in the back, if you've been lied about, slandered, ripped off, don't seek revenge. Seek the Lord and let his anointing of a thousand times more deal with your enemies. Judgment is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Sorry. Number two, Gideon had an anointing for a thousand times more. Let me see. In Judges chapter 7, God didn't want Gideon to trust his numbers, so he reduced them. God didn't want Gideon to trust his numbers, so he reduced them. Sometimes, as ministry leaders, as business owners, as friends, when we have people leave us, it feels like a huge loss. It can be devastating. But sometimes, God reduces the number of people around you so that you will depend on him and so that his anointing can fall on you and so your trust can be built up. God didn't want Gideon to think that his strength was in his own huge army, but in the anointing that he put on him instead. Gideon's army was reduced to a mere 300 soldiers against an army of 300,000. 300,000. Imagine if you were one of those 300 and God's like, I got this. Well, you better. <laughs> Gideon placed trumpets and empty jars with candles inside of the hands of his men. He told them to sneak up into the camp of his enemy without being seen, to blow their trumpets, break the glass jars, which made their torches shine, and then shout to the Lord. And then miraculously, the Midianites, his enemies, turned on each other with the sword, and they all killed one another. They didn't even have to lift a finger. There is a powerful lesson here. When they blow their trumpets, when they broke their jars, when they held their torches and shouted, a miracle happened. And a miracle can happen with us too, folks, when we are broken. Fasting does that to us. It breaks us. It breaks our pride. It breaks our ego. It breaks the cycles of flesh and sin and carnality. The question is today, can you be broken and still maintain the fire of the Holy Spirit? Can you be broken and still maintain a trumpet of praise? Anyone can praise the Lord when life is wonderful. But can you maintain the fire of the Holy Spirit when you've been crushed? Can you still have a trumpet of praise and believe God's going to do exactly what he promised you, even when you feel shattered? You can, but only by his spirit. Number three, David had an anointing on his life for a thousand times more. In 1 Samuel 17, 6, David says to Saul, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of a living God. This is a teenager standing before a king, telling him that he's going to slay a giant. Where on earth did he get that much confidence? 
God gave him the a thousand times more anointing to kill a lion and to kill a bear with his bare hands. He had spent time with the Lord in the secret place and he was anointed to go before Goliath and to kill him with one stone slung at his head. After that glorious battle, David was going back home with his men and the women in the city came out to the city gates. First Samuel 18 in verse 7-ish says, as the women danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Even the women in the city who did not spend one moment in actual battle recognized that David had a thousand times more anointing on his life. This is what it means to be a true influencer. Is the power of God so evident and the anointing of the Holy Spirit so evident in your life that the people around you think, I want to be like her. I want to be like him. I'm going to let this person influence me. That only happens, folks, by the power of the Holy Spirit. David did not limit God, and because of this, he was used by God powerfully in his own generation and was even put in the genealogy of Jesus. I am believing like David. We are moving from thousands being saved to tens of thousands. I'm not going to limit God. Why not? If he says ask and keep on asking, why would I ask for maybe a few hundred to get saved or maybe a few thousand? Why not ask him for more? When John and I were talking about what we're believing God for for next year, um, he said, well, how many, how many salvations do you think we should believe for? And we have like this rule um, in our house regarding things like this and giving that whoever says the biggest number wins. And I want to let you know that like I have more faith because I always say the bigger number. <laughs> so he's like, oh yeah, I think 1,500 would be a good, that'll be a good faith goal. And I was like, what about a thousand times more than that? And he literally like spit out his water and was like, that, he literally, he's like, that's not possible. How are we, how are we gonna do that? I said, we're not, God's gonna do it. Why not ask? Why not? Why not ask? There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and in our families that are lost and are going to hell. I don't want that to happen, folks. We want them to come into the kingdom, whether they walk into the cause or another local church in our area. I'm believing for a thousand times more anointing to fall upon our church so that we can reach to Brea and beyond in Jesus' name. And lastly, Jesus had an anointing for a thousand times more. John 6, 9 to 11 is where we find the miracle of the loaves of the, and the fish. Verse 9 says, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? This little boy simply gave Jesus what was in his hands. Sometimes we focus too much on what we don't have rather than what we do have. I need more patience to parent these bratty kids. I need more money in order to start tithing. I need more friends in order to feel included. I need more of this in order for that to happen. I repeat, this little boy simply gave Jesus what was in his hand. And Jesus wants you to know today, this is where you start. What is in your hands today? If the thousand times more anointing could come upon this boy's meager offering, it, the same thing can happen for you. If you want a healthy marriage, give him your broken one. If you want a healed body, give him your sick one. If you want miraculous provision, give him your tithe. If you want a deeper connection with Jesus, give him your time. If you want peace in your mind, give him your anxious thoughts. Start with where you are. 
And in closing, the book of Ezekiel is a prophetic book in the Bible. And in chapter 47, it gives us a picture of what the temple of God looks like. There's a river that flows out from the temple of God. And water here represents the Holy Spirit. In verse 3, <clears throat> Ezekiel says, He, this is an angel who he's talking about, He measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. And Lord, we appreciate and honor everything that you've done here at the cause. But we want to go further with you. We want more of you. We want to be more than just ankle deep in the Holy Spirit. We want to be submersed. We want more of you. Verse 4 says, Again he measured 1,000 and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. He measured 1,000 and brought me through again. The water came up to my waist. Lord, we want to be more than knee deep or waist deep in the Holy Spirit. We want to be submersed. Again, if he... In verse 5, again he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Some of you have been struggling with habits, hang-ups, and patterns of living that the enemy has assumed you would be bound to for the rest of your life. And he has tricked you into thinking the same thing, that you will never be free. But during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you don't think anyone has been praying for you, we have been praying for you. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. God has allowed the river of his spirit and wants to have the river of his spirit take you into the level of a thousand times more anointing from the Holy Spirit. This time, today, you will be truly set free because you haven't done it by your own might, you haven't done it by your own power, but you have done it by his spirit that is how you get truly free this time he has led you into the river of the holy spirit's anointing that is so deep you aren't able to go against the current to go back to your old way of life ezekiel says a river that could not be crossed this means that it's impossible for you to go back upstream where you were 21 days ago Maybe when you were ankle deep in the spirit or knee deep in the spirit, you were able to find the strength to flow back or backslide into old habits. Not anymore. But there is a place in God through the power of the Holy Spirit where alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, infidelity, lying, gossiping, you name it, will never have you again because it's so anti the direction that the Holy Spirit is taking you. You can't get back up current. Be you can't go backslide because the current of the Holy Spirit is stronger. Yeah. Drug addiction will no longer control you. Sexual immorality won't have you. Depression, anxiety, suicidal tendencies, hatred, worthlessness, unforgiveness, pride, they're gone forever. A thousand times more of the river of the Holy Spirit is available to come into our lives today. You will never go back to old patterns. You will never go back to bondage. You will never go back to that dark place ever again. Today, there is an anointing on the house for a thousand times more. So if my prayer team could come up, my altar ministry workers, my staff, my leadership council, 
The stories that I told you today about Samson and Gideon and David, these were just ordinary men. They sound extraordinary to us now because we have their names written in our Bible, but at the time, they were just living their life. They were ordinary people that God used to do something extraordinary. So if you are ready today to receive the anointing that is on this house for a thousand times more, get ready. I'm gonna pray in just a second and God is gonna move powerfully. I encourage you to enter into his presence with expectation to come and to get ready to get in the river of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna force you to do this. This is between you and the Lord. We no longer want you to be ankle deep we no longer want you to be knee deep in the Holy Spirit. There is a river of anointing available for you today that is so deep that it will flood your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit with the Holy Spirit. His healing, His power, His wisdom, His favor, His anointing, His peace, and His love are available for you today in a brand new way with a thousand times more anointing and clarity in your life in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.